Years ago when I was the youth pastor here at the church and we're meeting up the street up, up in Wisconsin on 347 there, we had these eight or so kids that we first had when we started. They were seventh and eighth graders and they just came with this like sweet, innocent faith. Every time they came on a Friday, it was like they believed they were gonna meet with God and God was gonna do something special. And so I remember one time we were worshiping together in the church basement there and after this one girl raised her hand, she's like, can I say something? And I was like, yeah, go for it. She's like, well, during worship, I don't know if anybody else felt it, but there was just like this crazy wind that blew through the whole basement. And I think maybe that God was like, just like blowing through the basement. And I was like, I'm so sorry about like the AC unit kicked on and you're right by the vent. I felt terrible. It was so bad. But the cool thing is, is from then on, anytime anyone was hot in the old church building, we'd just be like, can you throw the Holy Spirit on for a little bit? But man, it, it stinks when you think it's God and it's not. But man, when it is God, right? When he does speak to us, when he does show up, man, there's nothing like that. And I told you guys as we introed this series a few weeks ago that a few months ago there was a moment where God just really spoke to my heart and it wasn't an audible voice or this crazy supernatural moment. He just impressed something on me that really changed a lot for what I was going through. And I just want to pray for us because as I told you a few weeks ago, what he spoke to my heart, these, these simple seven words were things that I knew in my head, things I'd preached about, things I'd counseled others about. But when God spoke it to me, it just made such a difference. And so I'm just praying God will speak it to you. So let's pray together. So God, I just pray that you'd be with us, Lord. I pray that you would speak to your people today, God. Speak to people who don't even think you're, they're your people today, God. Speak to each and every one of us, people in the room, people watching online, people listening to this later on. I just pray that you would Impress these seven words on our heart and it would make such an impact on us. And so help us here in this series, we pray today, God, in your name, amen. So what were those seven words? Well, I was wrestling with fears. I was wrestling with three specific scenarios, three things I was afraid of, three things I wanted to control and change and, and make not happen in my life. But I, I realized that these were things that I, at the end of the day, whether I talked about them or I you know, got counseling about it, or I put all my time, energy, and money into it, just things that I would never be able to actually deal with on my own. And it was just a, such a freeing moment when it felt like God just spoke those seven words, these things are out of your control. You know, Doug, those, those three scenarios, they're just so far outside your control. And it just gave me the ability to have them in a category. Like, you know, before that, these things were things I had in the category of I must try to control. And I would catastrophize, I would doom and gloom, I would do all the what ifs. But in that moment, it's like God just relieved all that stress off of me and just reminded me that these were things that were completely out of my control. And so I pray in this series so far, you've been encouraged because we've learned some stuff, I pray, over the last four weeks. So in week one, we talked about how there are many things that are out of our control that we need to stop stressing about what is out of our control and trust the God who's in control. Then in week two, Joe did an awesome job talking about how we can't control how others treat us, but we can control how we respond. And then last week, we celebrated, as Pat said, on the new church property, and we had that beautiful gathering all day long. We had an incredible time. I will be honest, the 1130 was a little toasty out there. Some of you guys were total troopers. I could see it in your faces like, oh, Doug, please make this quick. So I talked so fast last week during the message. We celebrated some baptisms, but we got to spend time there out on the property. And I told you guys that, man, we do not know when we will be on that property. We have no control over that, but it is 
coming. It is coming, praise God. That day is coming because God is huge and he has this. And so we can celebrate that. I also told you last week that on Wednesday, we were going to be having an important meeting with our banker and also the uh, architect and also the financial advisors. And I just want to let you know that that went really well. Like, thank God that all went really well. And they're loving where we are and we're in a great place. So we just got to keep praying that God will provide the finances and the materials and the price will keep dropping of steel and all that kind of good stuff. But we're excited about that. But today, I want to just wrap up this series talking with you about something that we all wish we could control. We all wish we could control this. I think every one of us would have this in common. And we all wish we could control, I think, the future, right? That, that we'd have some ability to control where we end up, where our loved ones end up, uh, how situations pan out, how outcomes are arrived at. And I think that the future and the things we worry about are things that we lose sleep over and we stress about and we try to spend a lot of time and money and energy into controlling. And at the end of the day, a lot of that's just outside of our control. Right, The details of our lives, the decisions that loved ones make, uh, some of the things that we just go through, some of the maybe health concerns we might have for ourselves or others, or what our, our kids or grandkids will do, what our company will or won't do, what our schooling will end up looking like, what our career might become. like So many things that at the end of the day are out of our control. And we should be wise and make the most of our opportunities and set ourselves up to succeed. But even doing that, there's still so much out of our control control. And when we worry about all that stuff, we lose things like sleep and peace and fun and joy and rest and praise and, and laughter and opportunity and influence. And so as I've been saying a lot lately, I just think God has better than that for you and I. So today, I want to talk with you guys about the future. I want to talk with you guys about how we really wish we could control it, but at the end of the day, we can't. So what does it look like to walk through this and, and how do we navigate that and what does God want to do in the midst of it all? And how do we look to him in the midst of our inability to control the future? If you're not a follower of Jesus, we're thrilled you're here and I pray today you'll see how much God loves you and he cares about you and he cares about your future. So today we're going to look at a familiar story, if you've been in church for a while, from a different perspective, okay? I would bet my favorite Christian metal 80 CD that you have never looked at this familiar story through this lens today, okay? We're gonna look at the story of Moses through Miriam's eyes, okay? So a few weeks ago, I'm at my son's baseball game, and baseball games at Smithtown Christian School are a lot of fun because seven of the kids on the team come to this church, and so when we're there, it's like a big church family hangout, and our, our, some of our staff showed up the other day. I, I joke, and we should have a little staff meeting on the side. Like, it was just a beautiful day. A whole bunch of friends are there, and two of our Living Word young ones we're there having a good time. Uh, Hannah Shiano and Emma Calder, okay? And they're there walking around and kind of checking things out and they found these big sticks, right? And they decided that the sticks were so big and so amazing that they looked like Moses' staff. And so Hannah begins to walk up and down the side, third base side, I'm Moses, I'm Moses. And she's just going up and down, right? And then Emma grabbed it and she was doing the same. And, and then I, I, I went over to them and, and Hannah says, well, I'm Moses. And so I said to Emma, well, are, are you Aaron then, Moses' brother? And she said, no. And I said, well, then you're Miriam, Moses' sister. And she said, yes. And then they were up and down the sidelines. I'm Moses, I'm Miriam. Like just going up and down the sidelines, okay? And today the story 
is about Moses and Miriam, okay? There's also another major player in this story, and it's Pharaoh. Sometimes in the text, it'll be, his name will be referred to as the king of Egypt. And, and just so you know who Pharaoh is and what his thought process was and, and what his, you know, kind of weight he carried. Like when he walked into the room, this is what was felt. So read this with me. Uh, Joshua J. Mark says that as supreme ruler of the people, the Pharaoh was considered a god on earth, the intermediary between the gods and the people. When the Pharaoh came to the throne, he was instantly associated with Horus, the god who had defeated the the forces of chaos and restored order. And when he died, he was associated with Osiris, the god of the dead. So this man believes he is God, and everybody in the room believes he is God. And so this is who is about to come up with a horrific plan. In Exodus 1, 9, it says, Look, he said to his people, The Israelites have come far too numerous for us. Come, we must deal shrewdly with them, or they will become even more numerous. And if war breaks out, we'll join our enemies, fight against us, and leave the country. And so a lot of you guys are familiar with this story. I'm just saying don't tune out today because I think we have a whole other lens and a whole aha moment to arrive at as we look at this through Miriam's eyes. But this Pharaoh then turns the Israelites into slaves. But the more they're oppressed, the more that they grow and become stronger and more influential. And so Pharaoh comes up with an awful plan. Exodus 1.15, the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Sifra and Pua, when you are helping the Hebrew women during childbirth on a delivery stool, if you see that a baby is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. Okay, so this isn't where we're going in the message today. But if I could just say for a second, thank God for those Hebrew midwives who feared God. Thank God they stood up and did the right thing. They did the the God thing in the midst of a culture and environment that was really scary and pushing them to do something really horrific and awful and against God. And I just want to say today, as a little side note, that's the kind of people we've got to be in 2022. We've got to be a bunch of people who love the world and love those who don't know Christ, but at the same time, we've got to stand up and do the right thing for the situations that culture is trying to constantly push us away from what God would have us do. The Israelites become even more numerous because these Hebrew midwives are not allowing this to happen. And verse 22 says, Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people, Every Hebrew boy that is born you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. This is horrifying. Their goal is let's drown all the baby boys. Exodus 2.1. Now a man of the tribe of Levi married a Levite woman, and she became pregnant and gave birth to a son. When she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him for three months. And this boy is Moses, okay? Everybody say tav. Tav is the Hebrew word that means fine. It's also the same exact word in Genesis 1 that God uses to describe his creation as good. And so God is up to a good thing in Moses' life, but his future is out of his control. What would the future hold for him? What does it hold for you and me? We're gonna go on, verse three. But when she, Moses' mother, could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. Then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. And right here, if you'll stick with me throughout the message for the next few minutes, is where things get interesting. Okay? Because again, if you're new to church, this is a whole brand new story to you. But many of us know this story really well. But I want you to see it through Miriam's eyes. I feel like that changes everything for us and helps us relate to it in a new way and it'll apply to our life in a new way. And so here's what it says. 
In verse 4, his sister, so Moses' sister, Miriam, stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. So Miriam stood there watching Moses be placed in this river. And she's watching what will happen. Listen, what is going to happen in Moses' future is 100% out of her control, her parents' control, and Moses' control. It's only in God's hands. What will most likely happen to Moses? He will drown. He will drown. He will go down under those waters just like Pharaoh had wanted. That's what likely will happen. At the very best case scenario, his future is uncertain. Is anybody there right now? Future's uncertain. You don't know how it's going to go. Some of you invested a lot of money. It was supposed to be your retirement in the stock market, and now it feels like it's floating on down the river, you know? Some of you guys are about to graduate a high school student. I'm right there with you. And it feels like your kid, man, you just spent all you have these last 18 years, and now he's just going to be floating down the river of uncertainty. Some of you guys are the graduate. You're the, you're the college graduate, and you're about to go off to school in the fall, you're about to get a new job or you're about to you know, move across country and you feel like you're floating down the river. Some of you guys got some kind of news, some kind of health news about a loved one and it just feels like so uncertain. Where is this road gonna take us? Where is this all leading? Some of you guys are walking through some relational stuff and you're like, man, this relationship, it was like the solid thing in my life and now it just feels like I have no idea it could go one way or another. And here's what's interesting about Miriam, and I think we could put ourselves there. I think for a lot of us, one of the hardest things to do is to stand on the side of the river and watch somebody we love heading out into uncertainty. Some of us are there. Some of us have that going on. Some of us as grandparents, we're worried about our kids or our grandkids. Some of us as even just friends, we see a friend just floating down that river uncertainty, and we're standing there to watch what will happen to them, feeling completely helpless and out of control. Verse 5, then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. Now this was common in that culture. They actually believed back in the day, the Egyptians did, that the Nile River would prolong your life. So if you bathed in the Nile River, it would prolong your life. Years ago, our church went on a missions trip to Belize. We went there to build a house for a family that was living in a space about the size of your closet. Okay? And, and honestly, the house we built in was probably the size of my garage. So it wasn't even this crazy huge upgrade, but for them, it was everything. And so we're there. We built, we built this house. It was middle of summer. It's like a trillion degrees out. And so the missionary one day says, I want to take you guys just to have a fun afternoon after all that hard work. We're going to go to the river. There's a little bridge. You can jump off the bridge into the water and, and swim for a while. Some of you guys here in the room were with me on this trip. And so you guys in the room are jumping off the bridge, and I'm sitting with the missionary and we're in the water talking. And as we're talking, all of a sudden, one word, I don't know why, just came into my mind. And the word was this, crocodile. And so I said, um, Mr. Missionary, sir, is there any chance there are crocodiles in this water? And he said, oh, this is a good chance. You've never seen somebody get out of a river so quick in your life as me in that moment. So the rivers in Egypt would preserve life, but not so much in Belize, okay? But it goes on here. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. Now Josephus, who's a Jew Jewish historian, tells us that this woman, who the, the daughter of Pharaoh, who found Moses, would one day be queen and wife to a future Pharaoh. And we know the Pharaohs were not friends of the people of God. 
But here in the midst of this, God is in control. Read this with me. Matthew Henry says, God often raises up friends for his people, even among their enemies. I just want to encourage some of you today. Some of you guys have a loved one floating on down the river toward college, toward another work adventure, toward moving somewhere new, um, some kind of trip they're going to take. Some of you guys have younger kids and they're going from elementary to middle school this year, middle school to high school, and there's fear in your heart. And I just want to encourage you that God is able to raise up friends for your kids, for your family, for that person in your life, even maybe among their enemies. Maybe you're the one nervous about you going and doing a new thing. I just want to encourage you as you look to that future that God is going to walk with you. It says in Exodus 2-7, then his sister asked Pharaoh's daughter, so Miriam's there. She says, shall I go and get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby? For you, Mary's going, oh, it just so happens I'm standing on this random riverbank watching this random basket with this random child in it. Is there any chance that I could help? And so it goes on and says, uh, the Pharaoh's daughter says, yes, go. So the the girl went and got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him for me and I will pay you. So the woman took the baby and nursed him. Does anybody need to be reminded that God is seeing the things that we're going through? That there's some kind of a plan that he's working, even in our pain, even in our loss, even in our hardship, even in our poor choices, that God is still taking all of that and he's working out a plan, making impossible things happen. Miriam would have zero control over whether Pharaoh's daughter would somehow find this. There's no way she could have timed this or made this happen. This was a God moment. Exodus 2.10, when the child grew older, so Moses grows up, she took him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses saying, I drew him out of the water. Moses literally means to pull out or draw out. Listen to me, okay? God has a plan to save the Israelites someday. He's going to use Moses to do it. What better place for Moses to develop as a leader and as someone who has insight into how leadership happens than in the most powerful man's house in the entire world? And so God sets that up. Moses had zero control over this. Miriam had zero control over this. This reminds me of you and I. So many situations we just can't make happen. Isn't it crazy? God carried us through a pandemic. Some of us suffered great loss. God carried us through that loss. Some of us uh, have seen great victories in the last few years. God's carried us. He's walked with us. He's given us what we need. He's, he's enabled us to still be here to coming together and we're back again. No masks and no social distancing. And, and here we are living life again. It's 2022 and it's a whole new world. But, but the future still seems scary, doesn't it? Moses grew up. And he saw one day, a lot of you are familiar with this, don't tune out, all right? We're going to get to a whole new lens in a few minutes. But he, he sees an Israelite being beaten by one of the Egyptians. And so Moses, in this moment, and we just see God, how he even takes our, our sin, right? And, and uses it for good and uses it to complete some of the story. Not that he ever wants us to sin, but he can still use and redeem it, right? And so Moses sees an Israelite being beaten and Moses kills the Egyptian that does this and then flees, he, right? He runs for his life because the Pharaoh says he's going to kill Moses. Now listen, the Bible doesn't tell us what Miriam's thinking or feeling right here. But Miriam was a person like you and me. And so I just have to believe she's sitting there going, God, seriously? Like you rescued his life and now he's floating down a different river. Now he's going where? I don't even know where he's going. And, and now Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, wants him dead. And so I'm sure Miriam was fearing. Have you been there? Have you, you know, lost that sleep over that loved one or that situation that you can't control and that future outcome that it just isn't in your hands? 
Moses then goes to a place called Midian and he gets married. And then he waits. He doesn't wait a week. He doesn't wait a fortnight. He doesn't wait a month or a year. He waits for 40 years. I just want to let you guys know. Some of you are right there in that waiting period. You were living in the palace, so to speak. And now you're on the backside of a desert. You had great influence. And now nobody knows your name. You had great money and resources. And maybe that's all gone. God's using it. God's using it. Moses is sitting there going, my life's over. I ruined it. One moment. One choice. And he's thinking it's over. But God is in control. And God is working. Verse 23. During that long period, the king of Egypt died. The Pharaoh that raised Moses is dead. But another Pharaoh and another evil Pharaoh comes behind him. And he's still horrible to the Israelites. And it says this in the next part. The Israelites groaned in their slavery and cried out. And their cry for help because of their slavery went up to God. Can I pause there for a second and encourage you that God does hear your cries. God does hear those tears, or see those tears. God does hear those groans and those, those weepings. And as I say all the time, our groans count as prayers. Sometimes I don't even know how to pray, but I groan. And, and the scriptures tell me that God takes that groan and turns it into a prayer. God hears you and he sees you and what you're going through. And then I'm going to summarize a huge part of the story here. It, it continues on in 24. It says, God heard their groaning. And he remembered his covenant with Abraham. Everybody say promise. God has promised us certain things. It doesn't mean we can name and claim everything we want, right? But God has promised us certain things. And he's faithful to those promises. It says, so God looked on the Israelites and was concerned about them. He's concerned about you. He's concerned about whatever you've seen go down the river. He's concerned about that thing that you can't control. He's concerned about what concerns you. And so let me summarize a big part of the story. God then tells Moses, go back to Egypt and I want you to free my people, right? Now, again, can we just think through Miriam's you know, brain, and can we, can we hear through her ears for a second and see through her eyes for a second? Can you imagine? Again, the Bible doesn't tell us, but can you imagine the first rumor she heard? Moses is back, right? Like, there's no social media. Like, it's not like anybody hashtag Moses is back. Watch out, Egypt, you know, Pharaoh. Like, like, the, like, somebody came to Miriam at some point and said, Moses is back. We saw him. And I just wonder what she's thinking. Well, that, 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 I haven't seen him in 40 years. I don't know if he was dead. I don't know if he was alive. And, and now he's back. And he's saying what? He's saying God sent him to free us and to rescue us? Man, Miriam's lens is really interesting. The baby she thought would go down under the waters is back to free God's people. Could she ever have controlled that outcome? You see where I'm driving? Driving out here? Like, could she ever have made this happen? Could she ever have mustered up enough strength or will or desire to get Moses in Pharaoh's house and then to have him come back after this whole mess after 40 years and be God's man for this moment? She never could have controlled that outcome. Remember, Moses comes back to talk to Pharaoh who thinks he's God, who carries that weight in the room. God sends plagues to the Egyptians and Pharaoh still won't let him go. And then Moses goes back and it's back and forth and back and forth. And then eventually Pharaoh lets them go, as many of you know. And then let's read this together in Exodus 14, 5. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We've let the Israelites go and have lost their services. 
So he had his chariots made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. Think about this. The Israelites are terrified. They're trapped, right, between a sea and an army. Have you ever been there? Have you ever woken up and realized, oh man, I am stuck right now. If things don't change at work, if things don't change at home, if things don't change at school, like I'm stuck between these two awful outcomes right now. And I don't know what to do with either of them and I can't control them. I've applied all that I know. I've prayed. I've gotten godly counsel. I've got friends around me. They know what's going on. But I just can't make anything else happen. Maybe the relationship didn't stand a chance. Maybe the bank account was drained. Remember the opportunity dried up. Everything was out of your control. And I think back again to Miriam, standing on that bank, seeing her brother float away. And I think about what she must be feeling now that he's returned after decades to save God's people. And then she thinks, but now we're gonna die between this sea and this army. Some of you guys came to church or you're watching online and, and, and you woke up basically saying that, I'm gonna die between this sea and this army today. This is what it's all leading to. Right here, this moment, this is where I, I, I fall apart. This is where the complete breakdown comes. This is where it all ends. I just wanna keep encouraging you. Verse 13, Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. I mean, I, how many people laughed at him? How many people laughed at him right here? Like, like Moses, see, army coming to destroy us. Like, you still have faith in God? Egyptians, you see today, you'll never see again. I love verse 14. Some of us need to live this verse. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. The Lord will fight for you. Fight for you. Listen, we apply ourselves, we work hard, we do what we can do, but there's a moment when we've done all that and then now it's just up to the Lord. And maybe he's gonna turn this thing around and make it just like we want it or maybe it's not gonna go how we want it but he's gonna carry us and give us the strength and the grace that we need to keep going. Moses had the same amount of control every other person standing there between that sea and that, that army had, zero, zero control. But he had experience with the God who was in control. Corey Tenboom says this, read it with me. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Amen? God tells Moses to stretch out his hand over the sea. Verse 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and all that night the Lord drove the sea back. Are you picturing this with me? Are you seeing this with your mind? Can you imagine this? With a strong east wind and it turned into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Are you picturing that with me? I don't know the exact dimensions of all this, but can you imagine standing on the north shore of Long Island and you see Connecticut on the other side and all of a sudden, as people are pursuing you to kill you, that thing just, a wall of water stands up. You just walk clear on the other side and you're chilling in Hartford now. You know, you're, you're over there in Connecticut because God made this possible. Like this is what God did. It goes on. The Egyptians pursued them and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. Verse 26. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and it covered the chariots and horsemen. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. And what is Miriam thinking right here? What is Miriam feeling right now? What's in her? Well, we know. Exodus 15, 20. Then Miriam, the prophet, Aaron's sister, took a timbrel in her hand 
And all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing. Miriam sang to them, here it is, sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted, both horse and driver he is hurled into the sea. Everybody look me in the eyes for a second. Miriam, decades earlier, watched her mom place her brother into the water, expecting to see him go under that water and die. Instead, she has just watched Pharaoh go under that water in place of her brother. Miriam's lens, Miriam's eyes. Look what God did. Look at how he turned this on its head. I never could have done this. I just wonder what you're on the riverbank watching float away today. I wanna encourage you today that God is in control of your future. God is in control of your future. And listen, some of you guys are annoyed with me right now. You're kind of like, Doug, this is like a nice pretty bow, man, but that's not real life. Some of you guys are like, this is why I struggle to believe the Bible because it just feels like a nice pretty bow. Well, if we could just talk about some of the backstory on Moses for a second. Can we remember that he was given over to die as a child and then he was raised by someone who wasn't his mom and then he has to run for his life and then he's sitting on the backside of a desert for 40 years and then he has to go back and stand before the guy who thinks he's God and demand that the people go and then all these crazy back and forths and then he's gonna now after this huge high watermark where the water's open and we walked over to Connecticut. After that, he's going to spend 40 years trying to get these crazy people who are stubborn and sinful to the promised land. So no, this isn't a story with a nice bow on it. It's a story about a faithful God. A story about a God who keeps carrying us. And Moses was imperfect. And Moses would go through ups and downs, just like you and me. So no, this isn't some story that we can't relate to. It's something that we can absolutely see ourselves in. And if I could just say, because there are tragedies in this world, there are hard things, there are things as I look out, things I know you walk through and things you can look back at me and see things that I walk through that we wish came out differently. But I want to just keep encouraging you that this is the same God, the same one who parted the sea also said that he takes everything, all of it, every little thing, and he uses it for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All of it. I don't know, Doug, man. I, I made my own mistake. I made my own poor choices. Well, man, thank God for Moses who murdered a man and God still turned him around and humbled him and used him. And God used that desert to humble him. Who knows how cocky he would have been coming out of Pharaoh's palace ready to go save the world on his own. How much would he not have relied on God had he not found himself on the backside of a desert guarding sheep for 40 years? Some of us, lived in the palace and some of us have lived on the backside of the desert. Some of us have been both places and I think God uses both places powerfully. And so I don't know where you find yourself today, man. You may be eating good and feeling good, living the palace life. You may be sitting with a bunch of sheep, hot, tired, smelly, exhausted, but God's using it all to weave together a story for you. That's a unique story for you. And man, do I wish some things have gone different in my life. Man, do I wish I had made some different decisions and I wish some other things that I couldn't control had turned out differently. But as I look back and kind of zoom out at my life, I do see a God who's in control of my future because I've seen him so much in my past. I was just reading this morning and I see David talking about how he remembers, how he remembers this. And, and he starts out the chapter with, but this, but this, but that. And then he goes back to, but I will remember, but I will remember, but I will remember. And that's why Corey Temun can say, oh, I'm going to trust that, that unknown, unknown situation to this known God. 
I'm going to trust him and know that he's able to work all things for good. And listen to me, even if we don't get what we want here and now, there is an after here and now. Amen. There is a here and now. It's very real. But there's an after here and now. And the God who's in control of our future isn't just control of the here and now future. He's control of the after here and now future. And some of us, men, we will stand in his presence and he's going to hold us and he's going to wipe every tear away, which means that there's healing in his arms. And we're going to see how things have unfolded. We're going to see how his plan has worked. We're going to see his goodness in the midst of all that we went through and even of our own sin and mistakes. God is in control of my future. So I'm going to categorize the things that are out of my control and I'm going to stand and watch the Lord fight for me. And he might turn this thing around just like I wanted or I might keep going through it and yet he's going to walk with me and hold my hand and carry me and start wiping tears away, get to a little early. But This is the God who's in control of our future. So how do we respond to this? A couple things I want to say. Number one, turn your fears into prayers. Turn your fears into prayers. Do not get caught up in meaningless fear, just cycles of fear, cycles of what if, cycles of gloom and doom, cycles of catastrophizing. Do not let yourself do it. You have control. Remember we saw on the board in week one, one of the things you have control over is what you think about. It's not easy, but you can control that. And I just want to encourage you. Yesterday, I'm out and I'm working in my backyard. My hands are kind of still dyed black because I was working with a lot of black mulch yesterday. And as I'm out there, I'm listening to my Christian 80s metal. I'm listening to some podcasts, whatever, you know, like singing along the music and all that. And I'm also letting my mind go to fearful places, stupid places, scary places, um, uh, regret about past things, guilt heaped up, you know. And I'm just, the mulch is like, what's wrong with you, Doug? You know, like, I'm just like letting my mind go. And I just said, what am I doing? And I just stopped. I said, no, I turned those fears into prayers. I turned those regrets into prayers. Rick Warren says this, read it with me. If you prayed as much as you worry, you'd have nothing to worry about, right? Just turning my fears into prayers. I'm gonna keep bringing it to you, God. I'm gonna talk with you about it. So number one, turn fears into prayers. Number two, just keep preaching the truth to yourself. Keep on preaching the truth to yourself. I can't control that. Okay, I can sleep now. I can't control that. That's in the future. It's floating down the river. But there's a God who's in control of my future. There's a God who raises up friends for people even among their enemies. There's a God who knows how to split seas. There's a God who even if none of that goes the way I want it to here, while I will live this life out, there is a God who has purchased me eternity in heaven and a relationship with him. And so I know a God who works all for good. And in that I can rest. Yesterday, I'm sorry, the day before, I had a conversation with a friend we were supposed to talk weeks ago, but some things happened and we weren't able to. And he's going through it. He's going through it hard, like, like a really bad situation. Like literally was in the palace and got the carpet pulled out from under his feet and now he's on the backside of the desert. He doesn't know which way's up. He's trying to figure it out. And we're talking and I'm encouraging him and, and we pray. And, and as I'm praying, it dawned on me that for the entire like 45 minute conversation I'm on the phone with him, I have my computer on my lap open to this message. And I said, but I just want to let you know, man, that on my lap right now is my message for Sunday, which is all about how we can't control the future. And I share with him Miriam's perspective that she got to see Pharaoh go under instead of Moses. And I thought about the fact this morning that if we had had that conversation weeks ago when we were supposed to, we, I wouldn't have had that computer on my lap. I don't even think the message was written yet. 
And here in this moment, I'm able to share that God orchestrating these tiny little things so that we can continue to be reminded that God is in control of our future. Listen, the last thing I want to try to do is sweep a bunch of stuff under a carpet and say, isn't that pretty? Like, like, let's just get all the hard stuff out of the way. Let's sweep it under the carpet, pretend it doesn't exist, and let's all leave today encouraged. No, I, we, we face that hard stuff. We face it head on. And we face it head on with God carrying us and helping us and healing us and giving us the grace and strength to process. But we have so much to look forward to, both here and now and in eternity. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you want a relationship with him, I'd love to pray with you. I didn't get to really share too much yet about Jesus, but just like God saved Moses in an impossible scenario, God desires to save you and I in our impossible scenario that we're Sinful people who need a savior. We need someone to rescue us. We can't do it ourselves. Just like Moses was stuck, we're stuck. And we can't split that sea. And so Jesus came to split the sea, so to speak, for us. And he died on the cross and rose from the dead that we would know him and have a relationship with him. So if you want to put your trust in him, I'm going to pray with you in just a minute. But be encouraged today. God is in control of my future. And I can look back over these last four weeks and I can say that we're, we're moving in a healthy place. Emotionally, spiritually, mentally, for categorizing what we can and can't control and then trusting God with the rest. God is in control of our future. Let's pray. So Lord, we come to you needing your strength and grace. We come to you uh, living in a world that's, that's scary, living in a time that's scary, but thank you that you are so big, God. As we celebrated last week, you are huge and you have this. And so we're grateful for that. If you're a follower of Jesus, can I ask you to... Turn your fears into prayers. So just take a minute and say, God, I want to respond to you right now. And I want to bring you my, my greatest fears. I want to bring you my greatest anxieties. Some of us, like Miriam, are standing on the side of the river seeing something float away right now. What is that? What is that thing on that river for you? Would you today bring it to God? If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love for you to pray with me now. If you want to put your trust in him, if you want to say, I want to be yours, Jesus. I want life. I want just, not, not, not just you here and now, but I want that eternal life Doug's talking about. I want that salvation. I want that freedom and that forgiveness of sin. I want to be in a relationship with a God who cares about my future. Cared enough to come and to die in my place and to rescue me and now walks with me. So if that's you, would you pray with me? You could say something like this, Jesus, I am so grateful that you have offered me salvation today. I'm so grateful that you came and you sacrificed yourself that I would know you and that I'd be forgiven and that I would now be a person that God is working all things for good. That I'd be a person that looks ahead to heaven, not because I'm good, but because I'm saved and forgiven and loved by you. Jesus, show me how real you are. And I thank you for what you've done for me. Amen.